And you just have to say no sometimes. And I didn't want to be negative. But so the book is less about what I said no to. Yes, I'm saying no to something. Mm. But anytime you're saying no to something, you're actually saying yes to something else. I don't think you ever stop being an MC, man. And Spike Lee was like, if you want to be a filmmaker, just pick up the camera and start shooting. So I was like, that easy? He was like, yeah. Everything you want to do, you need it. You're going to need a team. Mm-hmm. But some people are not creative. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of in the background while, you're, while you have this power creating. And they may envy you and they may hold you back. You know, you gotta, you know, just cut, just just cutting the grass, getting the snakes out. Mm-hmm. That, that was hard at first, but as I kept my grass cut every day, daily, it's a daily exercise keeping that grass cut. Let me tell you. <laughs> hmm, what can I? What dirt can I give you guys? Hmm. You're rocking with Graffiti Blue, G-R-A-F-F-I-T-I-B-L-E-U. You're watching Verse TV. I'll be here all week. Comment, rate, share, subscribe. Hashtag Verse TV. Let's go. What's up, guys? It's your boy, Troy Weeks Music, and you hear my voice? You know what that means. It's time for All the Tea with Verse TV. Today, we have a special, special guest in the house for you guys, and I'm super excited to have him here, ladies and gentlemen. We got Lamont Anthony Wright, a.k.a. Graffiti Blue in the building. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, GB. Thank you. Hey, for what's here. going on, man? Thank, thanks, for, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate what you guys are doing in these troubled times. <laughs> well, thank you for being here during the trouble mm-hmm. times and making it happen. Yeah. Anyway, we appreciate you, so thank you for being here. Um, so you, you originally launched gblue.com in 2010 to promote the writing and then expand yeah. it greatly to include all that is gblue.com today. Yes. Yes. Before we dig deeper, from where did the choice for the name Graffiti Blue or gblue.com come from, and why blue? Uh, graffiti was my first form of written expression. So that was a no-brainer. Blue is the color I see when I create. Um, I spelled blue differently because of my incessant need to be different. Graffiti, blue, B-L-E-U, and I was off to the races. All right, now, so you better come on, be different, and talk about it now. No, no, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. I love to be different. Yeah. So for those of our audience who might not, know, who might not yet know, where are you from? Um, I was born in the Bronx, New York, place where hip hop was started. Uh, yeah, BX baby. Yeah, I was born in the Bronx. I was, but I was raised mostly in Southside, Jamaica, Queens. With a shout out to Hollis, Queens, for anybody who's watching. Shout out to Hollis, Queens, if y'all watching. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, how has this influenced you in your work? You know, being from the Bronx and Hollis, Queens. You know, because you see, we we live in a number of places, but prefer residents as far. So, I mean, well. How does that influence your work? Let's start with that. How does that influence well, your work? Well, anytime you, anytime you have a city filled with, I don't know, 11 million people, there is a, there is a fight uh, to be noticed, right? You have so many people living on top of each other. 
and the population is so dense in such a small area that it really gives me a combative spirit, not to mention uh, hip-hop is in my veins, so that competitive nature kind of influenced um, my writing to be like an in-your-face style and and uh, pull-no-punches kind of deal and uh, aggressive deliveries and some spoken word performances or some MC performances, some rap performances, you know, things with a little edge, even if I write writing about romance or something maybe a little softer or compassionate, I always like to give it a, 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 a that New York edge, you know, so it, it, it influenced me to be, I guess, in short, very assertive. Mm-hmm. Oh, you better assert yourself in there, very, yeah. especially yeah. now, especially doing, doing today's time. If you haven't been inserted to be where you are, you want to be where you are, I'm sure. Um, we see that you live in a number of places, so what have been your preferred residence thus far? I mean, uh, my East Coast fellas might not dig this one, man, but the California's, <laughs> the California sunshine, the three W's, the, <laughs> the weather, uh, the women and the weed, you just can't, you just can't. It's hard to beat, man. I mean, some of the most some of the most beautiful girls are from New York and Paris. However, um, the sunshine is hard to beat in Cali, man. I get it. I'm never in Cali, so it's been no, nah, yeah, man. You get through the airport, so you know. California dreams, man. Just just cruising down the highways, man. Love it. Awesome. See, got to check it out, Aaron. We got to check it out. Yeah, so yeah. what inspired you to start? And what how long have you been writing? God, inspired you um, to start writing? And how long have you been doing the profession? Um, my goodness, I've been writing ever since, I don't know, well, I as soon as I started picking up the pen and um, pen and paper after I could finally put words together, maybe about seven, eight, nine. Mm. Uh, I was writing storyboards as early as nine. I know that. Um, wow. my, come, I come from a storytelling family. I come from a long line of pastors and deacons and ministers and jazz musicians and all of that stuff. You know, and this kind of, during like this, there was this renaissance in, in Harlem, you know, back in the day, you know what I mean? Um, it started before me. But you figure I'm coming up in the 70s and 80s, you know, and, and the poets were real fierce um, in in Harlem and in Queens and in Brooklyn. It, it, was, it was a scene. So I always I always loved to write, but I really didn't have anything to write. About. I didn't have any life experience. So 17, 18, 19, you know, what am I going to talk about? Puppy love? You know, not until I... You know, I started getting about 33, and when you get that life experience, and then I wanted to write because I had something to say. Um, went professionally with the launch of gblue.com is because I wrote a book on a whim called mm-hmm. An Emotional Affair. And it actually did fairly well, not not New York Times, but for an independent guy, I was 700th in the country out of 10,000 books, which is pretty good. And... Um, I never looked back after that. Six books later, I'm here talking to the likes of you guys. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. 
So, Graffiti, let's talk about your latest book, The Art of Saying No, The Memoir of a Naive Poet. It's out now okay. on Amazon, everybody, just so you know. Aaron is eagerly awaiting this audiobook release. So, uh, you know, Aaron, don't worry, it's coming. Uh, can we talk a little bit about your latest book? Um, I'm very proud of this, man. This is my this is my Picasso, man. Everybody, I mean, don't get me wrong, like I've got uh, I've got six books, um, and I love the books I wrote before. I love my fiction, but this, but I put my foot, my ankle, and my calf muscle in this one. You follow? You know, I feel really good. I was really able. I wrote two nonfiction books in my life, but this is like a self-help book that I'm really glad to pass down some of that knowledge uh, to the people. You you know what I mean? So Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It's a, it's a bunch of short stories, right? I'm a, mm -hmm. I'm a storyteller. I love telling stories. So it's a bunch of so short stories, like my memoirs, right? And then mm -hmm. with each, at the end of each short story, it's like, well, how did I handle it? You know what I mean? And I had a, a crossroads, right? And I had a decision to make. And no is the hardest thing for people to say. We want to get along, at least for a guy who was a people pleaser like me. Once upon a time, I was very obsessive with pleasing people. Mm. And you just have to say no sometimes. And I didn't want to be negative. but So the book is less about what I said no to. Yes, I'm saying no to something. Mm. But anytime you're saying no to something, you're actually saying yes to something else. So if mm. you're saying no to a favor you just can't do, probably you're saying yes to working within your own pace. If you're telling uh, somebody in a toxic relationship, no, I can't be with you no more. You're really saying yes to loving yourself better and being happy and not bringing negative people around you. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I follow that. It right, makes sense. you know, you know <laughs> there, there's no, but there's a yes. So if you're saying, if you're saying no to, to living, to not living right or to not eating right, right, you're really saying yes to being healthy. You feel me? I like you know, that. So, so I told a whole bunch, and and what I had learned was like the best thing you can do, is, is so I didn't want to be preachy. So the best thing you can do to not be preachy is to just tell your story, like, hey, this is what I did. If you if you feel what I did, then maybe you can learn from what I did. You know what I mean? Okay. Even if you right. disagree, you choose. If this happens to you, then you choose for yourself. You got it. You know, great yeah. advice. Great advice. Yes, what I'm talking about. So, what made yeah. you? What made you naive? Or are you still naive? Gosh, I think we all are, man. I mean, <laughs> you don't, you don't know until you know. You yeah. know, um, um, uh, no father figure early for me. You know what I mean? So, as, so as men, um, and then for the ladies too. If there's no, if there's no man around, you know, for young men we need an example of, of how a man should conduct himself. But young ladies need that too, you know right. what I mean? Because, you know, when they meet, you know, young men when they're coming up, it would be nice to have an example, a father, a uncle, whatever, that already taught them how a man should conduct themselves. You right. feel, feel me? Right. You know, uh, so the naivete was just because of that. You know, I just freaking didn't know mama's boy and i i will say yes to naive still only because i don't profess to know everything 
Gotcha. Yeah. Well, no, I don't. I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> right. Neither of us. None of us do. Only right. he knows, right? So right. also in this book, you wrote off the significance of loving yourself and putting yourself first, which isn't selfish. What's made this topic? What made this topic significant enough for you to write about it in your 2021 more? Well, I spent a great deal of time on this freaking planet <laughs> uh, thinking that I was loving myself when I was not. Mm. Um, I wasn't getting enough rest. Rest is a part of the game. I was hustle, 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 grind, grind, grind. That thinking didn't serve me. Um, I was letting, uh, I didn't realize what my self-worth was. So a lot of people wanted to just stand next to me just for the clout. So if I ran a poetry venue or if I had books coming out or albums coming out, I thought people, remember that old song, Belle Biv DeVoe, I thought it was me. Well, I thought it was me. You know what I mean? Everybody wanted to stand next to me. And I'm thinking it's genuine love when really people just want the Instagram look, you know? Right, right, right. So, you know what I mean? Come on, so, talk about it. Yeah, so I had to love myself better and say no to Some people just want to stand next to you for the photo on Got you. You better come on. Somebody needs to hear that. I definitely needed to hear that. So what inspired you to enter music and, and events? What inspired you to break into the industry? After um after being a graffiti artist in Queens, yeah, I was in the rap game for for quite a while. You know what I mean? And um and had All right a now. Of, yeah, and had a couple of uh, deals like on the table, but at the time you figure Snoop was killing everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and on the East Coast, they wanted the East Coast response. And the only way to get a record deal in New York at that time was I would have to talk about gangster stuff. Mm-hmm. I would have to talk about women I wasn't with, clubs I didn't go to, money I didn't have, and crimes I wasn't doing. And gotcha. I'm like, Ugh, if I do this and I go back to my hood, I'm going to get killed because the real thugs are going to test me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I found myself... Uh, from being in the back of the limousine at one point to washing dishes on the other point because I wouldn't be a gangster that I didn't, you know, I didn't want to pretend, right? You know, so I, I said, okay, I, I washing dishes is whack. So I went to school, got a degree, and then when I graduated, I said, okay, let's revisit this. What 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 is going to be my creative manifesto? Mm-hmm. Started writing books, but that MC was still letting me. So I did a couple of albums to, to to say what I had to say, you know what I mean? Because I wanted to prove it to myself that I could write a commercial album that did well because I walked away from it, you know? So, so the M- I don't think you ever stop being an MC, man. Yeah, whatever you do, if, if you started off like that, it's, it's in you somewhere. Gotcha. Yeah. Definitely, I, I'm an MC as far as... Uh, host of events and things like that and I didn't even know I was host I didn't know that that was in me my dad did, did it when I was a kid he was doing it when I was in high school but I never knew that I was going to get into it and I was performing and actually fell in my lap so I totally uh, understand what you're saying can you tell us about your work with artist profiles um as 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 in me interviewing artists oh uh, yeah so yeah with, with, oh, in regards to yeah, with, with artists yeah profiles. um um I uh, on gbleu.com on gblue.com I always figured the reason why websites may not work, or creative websites, is because there's only one person, right? You wouldn't go to Macy's and shop 
if they only had sweaters at Reese's, right? Right. Matter, even if you needed a sweater, you want some variety. So I didn't want gblue.com to only have gblue. So I decided to, if I said if I had a platform, I wanted to interview people. So people are that I have worked with or know six degrees of separation of, I thought I'm on a channel. We have a conversation and try to have some real talk. And having a bunch of different artists on the websites has, has been a good look. You know what yeah. I mean? But it's a lot of traffic. And mm-hmm. I like giving artists a platform that might not have it for themselves. Got it. That's what I do too. Uh, feels like music to my ears. I love that. And you see that you've been doing that, you know, and I'm, I'm following your footsteps doing it. It feels amazing. Um, so can, can you tell me a little about your um, filmmaking? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. I saw Spike Lee. I saw Spike Lee one time. And Spike Lee was like, you want to be a filmmaker? And I think in pictures, like every storyteller does, mm-hmm. or most of them at least. And and I was, and I saw the movies in my head. And Spike Lee was like, if you want to be a filmmaker, just pick up the camera and start shooting. So I was like, that easy? He was like, yeah. He was like, if you're not going to go to film school, just pick up the camera and start shooting. So I bought me a fancy, fancy camera. <laughs> and I and I pointed at everything that moved. And I, I, I'm self-taught. I took about 10 years with the camera and started studying film and stuff like that, reading and all that. Mm-hmm. And then here I am, and I started just started doing short short movies and stuff, and the channel is doing well, man. Um, holla, or everybody watching this, I uh, subscribe to Graffiti Blue at YouTube, man. We're doing we're doing it up here. Awesome, that's right. I heard mm-hmm. what you said. Subscribe to the YouTube, baby. <laughs> so, in your Mirror of the Minds podcast with co-host Low Key, you all hit some salient points. It was said that some people push marriage on themselves because they don't want to end up, they don't want to die alone. Why do you think yeah. that in 2020, some people still feel that only options are either get married, start a family, or live, or live and die alone with little or no middle ground? What do you think about all this? It might not happen in our lifetime, fellas, but it would be very <laughs> nice if people were a bit more honest and yeah. instead of looking for what they could take out of a relationship, see what they could bring to it. You know what I mean? And just, I agree. And, just and, and, and just stop lying to one another. Um, the divorce rate is atrocious. Yeah. Um, you know, 40, in between 40 and 50%. So half the people are not even staying together. And then, and then it's just like, after that, the, the people, even some people that are still married, what percentage of them are even happy? So it, it's, it looks like it's time to rethink the whole thing. You know, Overall, with your work, what is the hardest part of your work you feel? <sighs> the hardest part hardest of part. my job <laughs> is getting getting everybody on the same page at the same time. You know what I mean? Um, in this game, as you fellas have realized already. Um, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> everything you everything you want to do, you need it. You're gonna need a team. Right. I mean, you can be Superman and you can do everything by yourself, pretty much. You know what I mean? But but to get the kind of um, notoriety that probably three of us are looking for, we're gonna need a team. Right. And after we form that team, trying to get them all on the same page at the same time is amazingly difficult. You know what I mean? However. Um, when that when that team is tight, there's nothing you can't do. 
Boom. That's why you make a tight team. Give them together. See? Yeah. Yeah. We need yeah. this. We need this because I'm for my team yeah. now. And that, and, and definitely that was an awesome answer. Definitely something that some of us needed to hear because we're forming teams. What's the most enjoyable part of it, though? What's the most enjoyable part of your work? Oh gosh, the most enjoyable part is just uh, is just receiving um, receiving God's energy, man. Any the ability to create something when there once was nothing is very godly. You know what I mean? So for all my creatives out there, if there was nothing and you had an idea and then now through that idea, there is something you are doing what God does and you're creating, you know what I mean? So being your own boss in that, man, you know, that. I tell all my creatives, don't be so quick to grab that corporate check, you know what I mean? Because down here in the gully, you feel me? <laughs> Uh, where we work for ourselves, there's no better feeling. You got your own hours. You're creating exactly what you want to create, mm -hmm. and you no know, crazy ads or some stuff you don't even buy or whatever. Mm -hmm. And what if you? And I'm doing it for me. So the most fun oh, yeah. is just working for myself and being on my own time, making, making, making use of God's gift. Absolutely. Thanks for that. Yes, I'm loving these answers. And so to all of that, what do you feel is, what do you personally feel is the most important part of your job? Um, being truthful and getting the information out. You know what I mean? Like, especially in a social media era where everybody wants to look like they're having the best time ever. You know what I mean? What, what happens when you're not having the best time ever? Right. But you still want to create, you know what I mean? So... So it's very important for me to keep it as honest as I can. I can't tell everything, you know. Mm -hmm. I put a lot of my freaking business out in the streets, right? Gotcha. I can't tell everything, but what I do decide to share. You know, I, I, I try to be as honest as possible from my, from my point of view. Gotcha. Awesome. Thank you for that. So tell me, what is the main thing that you want our Verse TV audience to learn about Graffiti Brew today? Um, I am, I am a man fundamentally flawed and endless, endlessly inspired, um, gives me a shot, um, by, uh, the book is out, the book is, the book is hot, man. I'm Go check this book out, y'all. Yeah, y'all need to check this, y'all need, need to, 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 I'm not even going to say support, I'm going to say enjoy. Enjoy. You know, Come on out. It's, 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 nice. it's, some of, it's some of my best work. Nice. Um, and yeah, man, I, I want the people to know that um, critical thinkers, we out here. Pay attention. <laughs> we out here. <laughs> so tell me, before we switch over to our Verse TV questions, we ask everyone, last question for in this part of the segment is, what's next for Graffiti Blue? Gosh, man, um, I'm writing, the, am I writing my grand finale? I'm a romance series, The Poet's Pursuit of Pleasure. I'm writing a book called The Hustler's Code, which is basically my interpretation of the rapture. Yes, the rapture from the Bible, okay? And a lot of people think that God is going to come and the seas are going to boil blood red and volcanoes and the four horsemen of the apocalypse and death and mm -hmm. disease and, so locusts and all this stuff mm -hmm. and i don't agree with that i think our lord is a bit too clever to come like that 
in my interpretation of the rapture, God takes his people and just removes fear from the planet for seven years. What would happen if God's people weren't scared for seven years? That's the book I'm writing now. Awesome. Yes. Graffiti. Um, I am playing with y'all. No, don't play with us. Um, so, yes. So, you, first and foremost, that was the first part of the interview. we got a couple more questions that we're done. I know we've taken up okay. a lot of time. But, so first of, I just want to give you a shout-out. You dropped some gems in that interview. It, I'm, I'm just sure that some people, during this time where we are, people needed to hear that. And I really appreciate you for that because a couple of things I need to hear for myself. So, I'm, I just had to give you a shout-out before we move on. But, yes. So, now, appreciate you're welcome. Okay. And go get this book, y'all. Yeah. If y'all listening, go get this book. We're going to get back to the, oh, the end, you know. but get the book right. We're going to say it right now in the middle. Um, Amazon. So, Amazon. So mm -hmm. the last couple questions is this. First question of our first TV questions is this. If you had all the po money slash power necessary, what would you do or change that you feel would be most beneficial for the LGBTQ community? I would go straight to the LGBT community, their leaders, and ask them where should these resources be allocated to? Whatever grassroots movements they had, um, whether it be uh, community leaders, whether it be some kind of refuge or whatever, I would definitely ask them, say, hey, how can we divvy this up? But a lot of times, a lot of these movements, especially grassroots movements, just need the resources. Right. So I would definitely let them take the way on that. That is the first time I've heard that answer. And I mm -hmm. think that is one of the smartest answers. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, if you're not affiliated with that community, then what would you know? You know, what would you know exactly how it best benefits them? So I think right, the best thing right, to do is to give it to the people that know what to do. So right. I just thought that was pretty dope. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty dope. So number two is that starts off with a quote, and then it's a question. The quote is this: Ask me not where I live or what I like to eat or how I comb my hair, but ask me what am I living for? In detail, ask me what do I think is keeping me from living fully for the thing I want to live for, and that's by Thomas Morton. So okay. the actual question is this. What is your goal in life? And part B to that is what is slowing you down from achieving that goal? My goal in life is to help people realize how strong they are inside. You know what I mean? Like this brokenness is kind of a yeah, state of talk mind. About it. You're only mm -hmm. as broken as you think. You're only as um, imprisoned as you think. You can tie a horse to a plastic chair and the, and the horse won't move, right? Right. Why does the horse not move? Because it think it, it only thinks it can, right? You know what I mean? So I'm I'm here to try to set people's minds free, you know, help them be stronger. And the only thing in, in my way is me. You know what I mean? I am human. I am right. flawed, you know, yeah. and all of this stuff. So a lot of times, you know, we are just in our own way, you know, or just with thoughts. Sometimes right. we think we're not going to be good enough or sometimes we think that our our um our goals are a bit too ambitious mm -hmm. you know what i mean so that's true how, very true so so how do we go for it without zero doubt and i you know and i work i, I try to work past my own flaws every day what is your <laughs> deepest tea i.e something that you've never shared on social media before but something that you're comfortable sharing with us <laughs> Hmm, what can I, what dirt can I give you guys? Hmm. Well, I like big butts and I cannot, and I cannot lie. lie. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Um, 
Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going, okay, exclusive. I'm going to do a show with Brooke Alford, artist of the violin. I don't know when, but as soon as the corona lifts, um, I meant to do it as a book release, and we were going to do a show at the Geary, right? We were going to do that on July 10th. Couldn't do it because of corona. Right. Um, it's postponed, but you have the exclusive. Um, me and Alford are going to be back-to-back doing this big show. I just don't have the date yet until everything lifts. Yes. That's yes. a deepest team. We'll take it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I hope you guys are listening. You got the exclusive here, right here on uh, Verse TV with all the tea. So, number four. I know you got to get out of here. Let's get it moving. Mm-hmm. What are some of your stumbling blocks that you had up on your path, and how did you overcome them? I, I didn't realize. I didn't realize the 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 power of of envy mm. right there are only there only a small part of the percentage of the population is actually creative so you guys are probably in a minority you guys are actually creative you know mm. what i mean there's a ton of cats men and women who are not creative and they will envy you so when somebody tells me they're creative, because I am creative, I just assume they are. Mm-hmm. But some people are not creative, mm-hmm. and they're just kind of in the background while you're while you have this power creating, and they may envy you and they may hold you back. And so, um, my biggest mm-hmm. stumbling blocks were were figuring out who was in my best interest and who was not. You know what I mean? And learning how to avoid the people that were not you know, gotcha. you, you know you gotta you know just cut, just just cutting the grass getting the snakes out mm-hmm. that, that was hard at first but as i kept my grass cut every day daily it's a daily exercise keeping that grass cut let me tell you, <laughs> you know what I mean? but life got, a little, life got a little easier though you know mm-hmm. what i mean i'm not one big to try to put a lot of energy behind so-called haters and all that mm-hmm. you know what i mean you know what i mean but it is a real thing you know, mm. so that, that was an obstacle. But after I learned how to cut the grass every day, I was way It was good to go. Uh-huh. Yes, That's sir. a good lawnmower and a good weed yes. from it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Last but not least, what are some of the, what are something that you would like to be left? What is something, actually, that you would like to be left in the legacy time capsule for your, for your legacy of work? We're going to leave a time capsule. We're going to put your legacy of work in it. What would you want to be left in it? Ooh, my first book, An Emotional Affair. My last book, The Art of Saying No. And my independent album, A Moment of Clarity. Those three are hell. That, that, you can't even that say it. Like, yes. Your expression yes. was good enough. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's all it all. Oh, man, this has been awesome and amazing. So, again, your book. Tell people where they can find your book. Tell them where they can find you and all that good stuff before we close out. Yeah, just type, uh, go to Amazon.com and type in The Art of Saying No. Uh, I am Lamont Anthony Wright, a.k.a. Graffiti Blue. They have a paperback version. I'll get to you in a couple days. They have a Kindle version. You can download immediately. Um, Holla at your boy. Everybody else, hit up GBLEU.com or subscribe to the YouTube channel, Graffiti Blue, and I'll be seeing you in the Matrix, my friend. Oh, y'all. Thank you so much, Rip Blue. Thank y'all.
Yes, I'm yeah. going up, you know, here, but Sarah. Um, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. This was one of the most awesome interviews I've done. I really appreciate your time. Um, I'm going to probably go back and listen to it again. I'm going to need some of that stuff again. Uh, thank okay. you. Thank you for your Verse TV interview. First TV hey, all the interview, and I will appreciate you. Y'all, appreciate, y'all appreciate y'all, man. Thank you. Y'all be good. I got to run, man. God bless both of you. I'll see you on no the worries. Website.